0: What is your message to all these owners and the people who are really going to be affected by all these shutdowns? It changes per person. It actually does. Because there are many tours that I would say close. Close right now. Save your money. Call your landlord. Focus on solving your debt because you're not going to do revenue right now. Even if you're allowed to be open and just interior 25%, you're not going to make money right now. So what you need to do is focus on the future. Go negotiate with your landlord. Talk to the utility companies. Do what you need to do to manage your debt. That's your priority right now. So if you have to close your restaurant for three months until the vaccine really hits and you can open properly, that's some restaurants need to do because even if they open next month, their debt is going to take them down. So they got to focus on not running the business. They got to focus on solving their debt. There are others that aren't that kind of debt load, right? They don't have that kind of debt load, but they're bleeding money. And they're running out of cash they too might want to consider closing and waiting until after uh, 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 the pandemic ends when the vaccine hits because when the vaccine hits and business comes back Corey, it's sort of like a grand opening you got to get new customers back you need money so i'm concerned that restaurants are going to spend all their money now and then when the pandemic is over they won't have the resources to reopen correctly and if there's anything we've learned the past few weeks we can't necessarily count on the government So, I think the problem changes for each, but in both cases, hold on to your resources because you're going to need them. I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. Hello, hello. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that kind of stuff, Corey. Welcome to the John Taffer Podcast. I am John Taffer, and this is (laughs) the John Taffer Podcast. Uh, If you want to call in, I'd love to talk to you. We have a new number. You can do that at 1-877-4-TAFFER, 1-877-4, the number 4, Taffer, T-A-F-F-E-R. Or if you want to send an email and be part of the podcast, you can do that at podcast at johntafford.com, podcast at johntafford.com. I start with that this week, Corey, because we've had such great responses and we've had such great conversations with you guys over these past few weeks. So, so call in. We want to hear what you're doing. We want to talk to you. And, and obviously, we, we change topics weeks to week. And we had a whole show prepared for today. We and, did, yeah. And we're not doing any of it. And the reason why we're not doing any of it is I was just on Fox Business And as I was on Fox Business, I'm watching the demonstrations in Times Square and I'm watching the restaurant industry protesting because uh, uh, they were shut down again. And only outdoor dining is allowed. Imagine this, Corey. You have a restaurant in New York, some of the highest rents in America. They just closed the inside and the biggest snowstorm of the year is coming now. So the outside isn't going to work for you either. So we're closed. Again, there's no stimulus program in place and I'm furious, and I'm furious because right now there is over hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in an account in Washington that just needs to be reallocated for this purpose, and they cannot get it done. And for a government to say to a business you must close and not provide any compensation to facilitate the closure of that business is out-freaking-rageous. And that's what bothers me, Cory. It isn't the closure, per se because you could argue the science of closing, you could argue the science against closing. Right. And and that's an argument that you could have either way. I'm not going there. I'm just saying you can't close without some type of provision to protect people's livelihoods. 70% of restaurants are single-owned by one family, one guy. They don't own two, three, four, five restaurants. They own one. This is their livelihood. It's freaking gone. And it's been gone for months. Now, the restaurant industry and the bar industry; these aren't political industries. There aren't Republicans or Democrats who are against it. There's no politics involved here. This is small business America. We're sinking. We're sinking. This is the last chance many of us have. And our Congress is going to go home for the holidays. Oh yeah. And this is not going to get done. And I'm blown away by a Corey. And after I interviewed President Trump which was, what, six days before the election, and we talked about the four things that he wanted to implement. And then post-election, I heard the Biden camp, who never responded to our interview request, by the way. It shows (laughs) how important the restaurant industry is (laughs) to them, Uh, who never responded to us. I hear through the grapevine and through reading that those four things are still on the table, but it's not happening. And you want to blame a Pelosi? Go ahead. You want to blame the other side? Go ahead. But the fact of the matter is it freaking out-fricking-rageous that we as Americans tolerate this from our government. And it is the divisiveness that we do every day to each other, the attitudes that we display to each other, this political cockiness, this political if you don't agree with me, you're an ass. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. If you don't agree with me, you're a fool. That mentality, I wonder, Corey, did that travel from Washington to us? Or did it travel from us to Washington? I wonder. Yeah. And I wonder if we could stop it, would that stop them? But the one thing I know, Corey, this has to end. Yeah, it does. has to end. And we must be able to create some type of conversation. And, And I tell you, I really hope that we don't have a single party government at the end of the Georgia election. And there are people who are going to, you know, want to cut my legs off for saying that. But, you know, I find when we have mixed government, they cross-check each other. Nobody goes to either extreme, Corey. You know what I'm saying? They're sort of stuck to work with each other in the middle. Right. I'm terrified that if we get a single-party government after the Georgia election, there is no uh, uh, um, inspiration, no motivation to work with the other side. And then the divisiveness is going to get uglier. And we're going to move down a pike of, you know, one side has control and the other side has fight. (laughs) And I just hope that we can have mixed government when this is over. And I'm not being Republican or Democrat. I'm just telling you straight out, the stock market does better. People tend to do better when we have some mixed uh, political parties in government. And I'm scared about that. And when I look at this divisiveness, to me, the only solution to this divisiveness is to have two political parties that are sort of forced to work together, sort of forced to get that divisiveness aside. If we don't have that, Corey, I worry that the, there's no governmental reason to stop the divisiveness, and then it just continues. And then I see all my friends going out of business. I see stimulus packages not getting done. And it's it's rather than rejoicing this moment about the vaccine, and look, Corey, for months you and I have talked about this. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about the fact that the vaccine would be coming by the end of the year. Here it is. We talked about the fact that there'd be millions of doses. Here it is. Here are the numbers. There's 21 million medical professionals. Did you know that? Wow. So if medical professionals get the first round of doses, it's about 21 million doses. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking about earlier, that's going to be crucial, I feel like. Yeah. And they're going to get the first ones. Yeah. So the first 21 million doses go to the medical industry. That's fine. But they're not going to the general public. They're going to them. I understand the next batch goes to assisted living facilities. Now, the medical people at the assisted living facilities, in theory, would have gotten it already. This is really for the the tenants of those facilities, Mm -hmm. patients. And uh, it's about 3.5 million of those. So if you say the first 25 million or so go to medical and then go to assisted living, after that is first responders, firemen and police, about 45 million doses into it, it starts going to the general public. If you look at the numbers of how many vaccines are coming, and this is without Moderna, which is going to be approved probably next week, uh, uh, we're getting 50 to 100 million doses a month. Wow. So when you look at that number, then by the end of January, we should have the medical community done. We should have the assisted living facility community done. We should have the first responder community pretty much done. Mm -hmm. So now when we move into February, certainly we're going to start touching the general public. And that's going to probably flow by age to some degree, right? Based upon risk. So you're a young guy, Corey. You're probably not going to be first in line. I'll probably be in line before you because of the age difference. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, so now when you think about March, well, they're saying that everybody can be vaccinated by May and June. So we've never, ever had the end of this in the palms of our hand before. (laughs) It's in the palms of our hand, Corey. It's exciting. It is exciting. So a month from now, if people aren't getting sick and the vaccine is going well, are you going to take it? I will, yeah. You just want to watch first. Yeah, I, I want to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know. yeah. I have friends that are actually that are, uh, e- emergency room doctors that are getting it this morning, right now. Oh, really? And so I'm going to monitor them and see how they do with it. But you know, I think it's going to be a huge success. But here's my point. we We actually have success. And this success, I'm not going to say the word trump. Warp speed worked. They realigned administrative processes. They did concurrent testing rather than sequential testing, which really uh, expedited the process hugely. And in less than a year, we delivered a vaccine. Now, I was watching an article this morning, reading an article this morning, I should say, that had all the quotes from the news services about a year ago when, when the president said we will have a vaccine by the end of the year. And NBC said it's outrageous it'll never happen you know it was a crazy thing to say almost all of the news services and i watched the clips this morning and i read the quotes said this was impossible it cannot be done how dare our government our white house these people say this experts all around the world said this was impossible right remember that cory oh, oh yeah it wasn't impossible Mm-hmm. Fact of the matter is it happened by the end of the year and it happened big by the end of the year by the end of the year we'll have two Pfizer and Moderna approved. Wow. This is an incredible success for America. For the medical industry, vaccines will never be made the same way again. We'll never wait 3-4 years for a vaccine ever again. We've redesigned the way we do this. Now when this vaccine proves safe and it will, then What our administration did, our current administration did, was realign public-private partnerships, really make them effective, realign the processes for creating vaccines, realign the administrative process, and has left us in a far better place than we were a year ago. Now, you think about how the vaccine is being shipped on United Airline planes that have been modified Dry ice production factories had to up their production, right, to move the Pfizer vaccine. So we had to deal with increased uh, dry ice production. Styrofoam custom packaging, custom packaging boxes and labelings. They had to modify the aircraft because planes aren't allowed to take so much dry ice on them <laughs> oh, right. because of the gas it emits. <laughs> yeah. So they had to remodify FAA laws, and then they had to physically modify the planes. And that's just to package it. And then I had to bring in a UPS and FedEx to coordinate delivery of units. And then I had to facilitate the 600-plus distribution centers across the country. And I had to logistically make sure the packaging and the styrofoam and the dry ice arrived and the truck arrived at the same time. And UPS took it to the plane, and the plane took it back to UPS and the other place. And the logistics of this are are really impressive, really impressive. And when you look at the people that are running it logistically – and, and forgive me, I wish I could say his name, I forget his name, is an Army Logistics General who's coordinated logistics for the Army, which is serious stuff. Yeah, I can uh, imagine, yeah. All of the logistics from, from equipment to, to uh, uh, military equipment to food and beans and bullets and all that stuff. So this is impressive. And we do have it in the palms of our hand. And now we're going to see a public-private partnership the next couple of months uh, at a level that we've never seen in this government in our lifetimes. And that's pretty darn exciting. So, you know, I think that as we approach the holiday season, we're all going to have something to be grateful for. This is in our future. <laughs> and I think we're starting to pull out of the other side of this. You know, it's amazing, Corey. I've gotten a lot of questions online lately about seltzer because we went national with our seltzer. Yeah. So, so a lot of people have been tasting it and they like it and they've been posting it and they've been sending me questions and questions and questions. I thought I would answer just a couple of them real quick. So one of them asked me is, what made me start a seltzer line? There's so many seltzer lines out there. You know, it's funny. I never thought I'd start a seltzer line. And it's interesting in business when we do things like this. I was, after 10 years of Bar Rescue, I've made so many recipes. I had this strawberry basil thing in my mind that I've done on Bar Rescue that I really, really loved. And I loved this uh, uh, um, cucumber jalapeno thing that I've played with in Bar Rescue. And I wanted to do something with these flavors and that's how I got into the seltzers. It started with the flavors. So I came up with these flavors. I wanted to do a seltzer. And this was really before all the other seltzers were on the market. And then I went and started doing research and went to flavor houses and labs. And that's the way you put something like this together. And I realized that, wow, almost all the seltzers out there are malt beverages. They're sort of like beer, if oh, you will. Okay. And what they do is they produce the beer at a slightly lighter color, and then it looks clearer. And, but it's malt-based, sort of heavy on your tongue like a beer can be, yeah. a malt-based product. So I tried all these different things, and there was an orange uh, uh, wine base that you can use, which is really neutral. And it's made from oranges, and it's a wine. So we played with the wine base for this cocktails, still the same 5% alcohol as the other ones. They're all the same alcohol mm-hmm. content. And we found that... The neutral wine base didn't have the heaviness of the malt base. So I didn't have to add as much sugar, as much flavor, as much, you know, I wasn't fighting against the malt in it. So that's how uh, uh, we came up with it. And it's really different than others because uh, uh, that wine base is very different than the malt base. So if you haven't tried one, try one. You'll see what I'm talking about. And this isn't a plug. I'm just answering these questions here. Describe the feeling when you're able to turn an idea into a reality and see it come to fruition. Well, there's nothing more rewarding than that. It's almost sort of like having a baby. And I'm looking at the can. that's sitting in front of me now. And my name Taffers is across it. And, you know, there are certain moments in life that are really powerful to you. And seeing your brand, your name on a package, with my artwork, by the way, a line drawing on my face on a box, Corey, which isn't easy for me to look at, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, 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 it's an amazing feeling. Taffer's Tavern is amazing to me, Corey. Think about it. We worked on this two years. You've been there since the beginning when it just was an idea. I have, yeah. And then the thousands of decisions that we made to get it finished, think of what it's like to walk into that room. That every decision you've made from the colors to the heights to the widths to the food to the flavors to the presentations to the plates to the way the employees look and, and their presentations. And it's an amazing thing to see dreams come together and I hope every one of you have it. And there are moments in our lives that are really powerful moments. I remember when I owned my first nightclub Corey outside of chicago was pretty big about twenty-eight thousand square feet it was a sports themed nightclub and it had a boxing ring in the center of the room that was the dance floor pretty cool the girls had to go through the ropes (laughs) to get on the dance floor and stuff and the dj booth looked like an nbc sports control room but it was a high energy nightclub and uh, i'll never forget it i opened this nightclub and it cost over a million dollars to open and the uh uh first night when it was closed we closed and everybody went home all the money was counted and the place was cleaned up and stuff and i'm in it alone at four in the morning by myself and the lights are still on and i walk into the dj booth and i stand in a dj booth and it was the first time i ever owned and and i looked at quote my domain <laughs> as i looked out over the elevated dj booth to the room and it was one of the greatest feelings i've ever had in my life I'll never forget it as long as I live. That moment of pride that that, that that had come together. Well, I've had a lot of those over the years. I'm very fortunate. But seeing your name on a package, getting a concept finished and opened, watching something get born that started in your brain is a powerful thing, and it should motivate you all. What are the dreams that you have? And uh, how are you going to make them happen? I've been lucky. I've had the ability to make them happen. I want the same to happen to you. I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. I'll tell you, Corey, the days of fluorescent-colored, sugary, chemical-laden fake cocktails are finally over. You know why? Why? Because we solved it (laughs) with Taffer's Mix. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I expect fresh, real ingredients, bursting with flavor. You know, if I'm going to make a, a bloody mary or a piña colada or a cocktail, I would would like to have real coconut and real pineapple in right, my piña yeah. colada. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Corey? Yeah. I'd like to have like fresh tomato in my in my uh, bloody mary. Exactly. Some real spices, maybe, and and so that's why we created Taffer's mixers, and they really are the finest ingredients that we could find. They're affordable and they're easy for everyone to enjoy, and. Cheers to that, buddy. It's so easy to make. You just read the label on the back. Pour in the booze, pour in the mixer, shake it or stir it, and you're good to go. The Bloody Mary mix is really savory. has a nice kick to it, Corey. You'll love it. And if you're stuck in the snow this winter, how about taking a little Bloody Mary, a little rum? little I'm sorry, a little pina colada mix, a little rum, mixing it up. If you have a little umbrella, drop it in, close your eyes, and picture yourself in the <laughs> tropics. So love it. A great cocktail can do that. It can give you some great, great Memories and feelings. And that's what Taffer Mixologist is all about. So head to your retailer, make sure you have some mix for the holidays, and check it out. Taffer's Mixologist. Finest ingredients, finest quality. I'm back. You know, Corey, we were going to first do a whole different podcast on a completely different topic. And then we had the uh, restaurant demonstrations and the closures. And then, Corey, uh, we we were going to do call-ins with the audience, which you know I love so much. And I was going to talk about the holidays. Mm -hmm. and, And, you know, what are people doing in Iowa compared to what people are doing in Florida? And, you know, it's interesting, when I go to Georgia, people aren't wearing masks like they are here in Las Vegas. And there's regional differences in the way we're all acting with this thing, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. But it's difficult to have a festive show and talk about the holidays when we're all hurting so, so very much. And and, I don't wanna be a bummer, I'm not looking to do that to everybody, but when I look at the demonstrations in New York, the demonstrations in California, when I look at the fact that people are now gonna head home in New York and, and experience a snowstorm, they have no money, they have a snowstorm coming. You know, when I look at the people still down in East Texas Corey, that are still dealing with the ramifications of the hurricanes from earlier this year and the floods from earlier this year. And I think about California and I think about how people are still dealing with the remnants of the fires out there. And I look back to the summer when restaurants were closed in California and then the fires hit. And we had restaurant owners on this very program that said, John, it's unbelievable. They closed the inside. Now nobody will sit outside because of the smoke from the fires. And they closed the inside restaurants in New York, and now it's so cold and a snowstorm is coming that nobody can sit outside. Well, it's a death sentence for so many of us. And I just finished a segment on Stuart Varney's show, close to my 100th one, by the way, Corey, about 100 times I've been on that show, darn close to it. And I've realized, you know, how much we are all hurting right now. And this is Christmas season. It's Hanukkah right now. Hanukkah is supposed to be the festival of lights. There's not a lot of light right now. Christmas is supposed to be the time of year where divisiveness goes away, where we really help each other and support each other. New Year's is supposed to be the time of year when there's a fresh beginning. Right, Corey? We do, we do our New Year's resolutions, and it's a fresh beginning. January is not going to be a great month for us. We know that. December is certainly not going to be a great month for us. There's not a lot of light right now for Hanukkah. But the one thing we do have is each other. And if we can at some point during these next few weeks understand that if we've ever meant anything to each other, it's now. If ever we've needed each other, it's at times of weakness. And this is a time of weakness. Yes, restaurant owners need you right now. Restaurant employees need you right now. Small business owners need you right now. Grandma who can't get to her family for Christmas needs you right now. You know, little Johnny, whose grandma's not going to come for Christmas this year, needs you right now. Politicians, dare I say, need us right now. (laughs) If ever we've needed each other, it's now. If ever divisiveness and politics and opposing views should not get in the way of us supporting each other, it's now. If ever we had to believe in each other, it's now. This is a powerful moment for all of us right now. We must step up for each other. That's what this holiday is about. It's about stepping up for each other. I'm going to do that, Corey. I'm going to find some family to help or something to do the next week so that I can step up for somebody else. Yep, I'll probably write a couple of checks. That's okay. But, you know, there, there are people that need a little emotional support right now, yeah. a phone call. A hug with masks, of course. <laughs> I mean, people are needy right now. And those of us, all of us, have a chance to be a hero to someone the next couple of weeks. All of us have an opportunity to be a hero to a stranger, wow, to a neighbor, wow, to that old person who lives upstairs, wow. These are our defining moments right now as a society. These next few weeks and how we deal with this as we start to come out of this will define us as a society and will define you as a human being. What's your choice? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna reach out and be supportive of those around you at this time of need, emotionally, verbally, being supportive, not being divisive, or you not? Which are you gonna do? I know my choice, Corey, and I know you too well. You've been with me a long time. I know what your choice is too. Absolutely, yeah. So that's the question that I propose to all of you. This wasn't planned. This is just me speaking to you from our heart. This is our defining moments. Let's step up. Let's come through for each other now. I'm going to say it. Fuck the politics for a few weeks. (laughs) For real, yeah. Let's just come through for each other. I wish you... and A holiday filled with support and love of those around you. I wish you a holiday with hope that this will end soon. I wish you a holiday that does have a fresh beginning in the new year. That shows that 2021 could be maybe one of our best years ever. And I wish you the power, the strength to really be supportive of those around you. Even when you disagree with their views. To support them as a person. To support them because right now... You all need it. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Have a great new year. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.